But you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, the old 100 as is called in song form. But that is where we find ourselves this morning just to kind of make sure we're all tracking along here. We just wrapped up our series on Sola Scriptura, looking at the foundation of God's Word as our sole authority over all things in our life. This morning uh, being the Sunday before Thanksgiving, this is a bit of a standalone sermon as we're focusing on the topic of Thanksgiving. And then next Sunday, we'll begin our season of Advent, in which we will prepare ourselves both to uh, celebrate the first advent, the first coming of Christ, and prepare our hearts to look forward with joy to the second coming of Christ. So that's where we're at this morning. So hopefully you've turned in your Bibles or powered on uh, the Bible app on your phone and you've gotten yourself to Psalm 100. As Thanksgiving is knocking on the door, it'll be just a few days away and we'll be gathered with friends and family. Some, there'll be tension filling the home and some, it'll be nice and it'll be enjoyable and a sweet time together. Uh, What we're also is looming ahead is that all too familiar scene. I don't know if every family does this. My family has done this. We don't do this on uh, or with consistency. We don't do it on every Thanksgiving, but it's one of those most awkward times for introverts and extroverts alike right? That time when everyone has to hold hands or sit around the table and say what you are thankful for. And of course, everybody wants to be first. Nobody wants to be last because the first person inevitably says, you know, the most cliche thing, family or my parents or this or that. And then by the time you get the last person, like, well, everything that they said, right? And kind of nobody wants to go last in that situation. Nobody really wants to do it because then you're forced to realize how thankless you've been because you're like, I don't know what I'm thankful for, right? Everybody's kind of grasping at the most, the easiest thing that's on the front of their mind to think about what they are thankful for. But before we dive in this morning, I want to encourage everyone to force yourself real quick to do a little, little exercise, not a literal physical exercise, but just kind of a, a brain exercise to kind of remove that American stigma that we have connected and attached with the word Thanksgiving. Because we hear Thanksgiving, and no matter the context, we think turkey, dressing, we think pies and casseroles and family tension and all that fun stuff, right? We, that, that's what we think about when we hear the word Thanksgiving. But I want us to kind of separate American Thanksgiving and the word itself, because the word existed well before the pilgrims landed here, okay? So let's just push that to the back of our brains for a moment. It it will come back here in a little bit. I'll connect it with our Thanksgiving. But I want us to see in God's word this morning that it is that uh, Thanksgiving is so much more than just a once a year holiday in which we gorge ourselves and we grasp for straws to think about what we're actually thankful for. That it's so much more. It's a, it's a state in which we live. 
is what we're going to see in God's word this morning, that thanksgiving is the state in which we live, the posture from which we worship the Lord in praise of his glorious grace to us in Christ. And so it's so much more than just a once a year thing in which we like, oh yeah, what am I thankful for? But rather thanksgiving is to be a continuous state of being for those who are in Christ. And one place where this is beautifully and explicitly laid out for us is right here in Psalm 100. So I'll ask you to stand once again for the reading of God's Word. You might have gotten a little anxiety when you saw just Psalm 100 and you're like, surely there's like some verse context there or something. And then you realize it's only five verses. So then you're kind of, okay, good. All right, so Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, as we consider these truths, as we see their far-reaching implications and impact and how they get to the core of, of how we are to live as followers of you, I pray that you would appropriately focus our hearts in complete thanksgiving to you for all that you have accomplished and done, how you have acted, how you have revealed yourself, made yourself known that we might have faith. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that they're hurting They don't feel like being thankful. They don't feel like giving thanks. Pray that you would capture them where they are. Show them your goodness and your mercy. And help them to give thanks no matter where they find themselves. And help them to give thanks to you. Turn all of our hearts appropriately in praise to you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, church. So real quick, just as always, want to give us some context. So the Psalms is a rather large book, but it's filled with many different genres, many different types of Psalms, many different focuses in the Psalms. So they can be broken up into various different categories based on the subject, the literary style, the message that's in the particular Psalm. And so Psalm 100 is itself a psalm of praise. That in itself seems pretty obvious, right? Given the the focus, the message of the psalm itself. It's a psalm of praise. And it comes right off the back of a collection of praise psalms that are classified in and of themselves as kingship psalms. So in the kingship psalms, these are psalms which specifically describe and praise God's character actions and reign as king over all. So kingship psalms rightly focus the kingship of God, the reign of God over all things. 
Psalm 100 is not itself expressly categorized as a kingship psalm, but Psalm 100 no doubt provides a fitting close to this long list of kingship psalms by calling all to rightly worship the Lord. And this begins with verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. This first line of this psalm bursts into view and gives no alternative course of action. It gives an express call to action and the audience is to hear this call and respond accordingly. That call to action is pronounced to whom? That should be one of the things that catches our attention about this psalm is, is the, the audience to whom this psalm is pronounced. Normally we see his, you know, these things pronounced to God's covenant people or to those whom he knows, those who are his. But this is make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Another similar phrase that we see elsewhere in the Psalms is that of every living thing. So this brings into reality what this audience and capturing and saying and, and exclaiming to everyone, everything, make a joyful noise to the Lord. This brings into reality the universal nature of this call to action, that everyone everywhere is to fulfill this command. That everyone and everything has this command as their chief goal, their chief aim, to make a joyful noise, to praise God, to glorify His name. And that's exactly what this call to action is. So we, so we note that it's, it's to all the earth. That's who is told, make a joyful noise. And again, that is our call to action, to make a joyful noise. This is the inherent role, the task, the responsibility for all living things. This is not a command to just start shouting incoherently, right? It's not just, you know, you'll hear that sometimes when people say, well, I don't sing, but I make a joyful noise, right? Or this is not a command to begin clashing things together. So just to make a noise and then call that joyful, right? Not to just start giving shouts and hoops and hollers and shaking things and doing all this craziness, right? No, this is an express command to give the Lord the praise due His name. This is what the Westminster Catechism says, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And this first line of this psalm calls us to action, to act according to our very created purpose. This is the culminating goal of God through all history, is that we would fulfill this purpose. That God has acted and made himself known in history so that those who aren't fulfilling this purpose would fulfill this purpose. That all the earth would praise his name. So he has set about and acted in history so as to bring that goal to fruition. He created man in his image and revealed himself to Israel that they may shine the light of his glory to the nations. That's why this command of all the earth should catch our attention. Why is it not to Israel, to his covenant people? Well, we'll get to the true answer here 
a little later as we press forward. But we're seeing that Israel's aim, their goal, their purpose was to shine the light of God's glory that all may know, that all the nations may know that the Lord, He is God. And this has been fully realized, this purpose of Israel has been fully realized in the person of Christ and in the sanctifying of His church. For the sake of His name, the Lord has acted throughout history to make His name known that we might realize our chief goal, our chief end, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And so I don't mean for this first point on your outline this morning, hopefully you grabbed one on your way in, the answer will be on the screen behind me, but my first point, I don't mean for this first point on our outline this morning to come across as condescending or overly obvious, right? But think, true thanksgiving goes hand in hand with giving God praise and glory to his name, okay? True thanksgiving goes hand in hand with giving God the praise and glory to his name. So you cannot offer up proper praise without it coming from a place of thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is a foundational form of praise. Therefore, this first point on your outline this morning, that true thankfulness is meant to be made known. That if we are truly thankful for something, and that something is truly meaningful, it is meant to be made known. And this is what we see for those who have come to know the grace of God and the glory of Jesus Christ. That our thankfulness in Him for what He has accomplished for us is meant to be made known, to be declared. Make a joyful noise. So for those hearing this psalm for the first time, as those to whom God had made Himself known and through whom God was decisively acting to bring praise to His name, thankfulness should have been among the most natural postures for God's covenant people. But we see the rebellion of God's people time and again throughout the storyline of Scripture. As those who have been brought from death to life and have been given everything in Christ, who is the heir of all things, we of all people as Christians are to be by nature children of thanksgiving. We ought to live in a constant state of overwhelming gratitude. A state of overwhelming gratitude and thanksgiving for the overwhelming gift of God's grace that is our life in Christ. No one ought to exhibit more thanksgiving than we do. This is to be our posture in worship. This is to be our posture in life. We come in here thankful. We leave thankful. We go out proclaiming that thankfulness and that thanksgiving to all the earth. So church, let us make our thanksgiving known. Not simply once a year around a dinner table or lunch, if that's what your family does. Let us give thanks to the one who has given knowledge and faith through the revelation of himself. Young people, Teenagers, youth, if you are trying to find purpose or meaning, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, 
Stop trying to think about what will make you happy and wealthy and start with how can I make my thanksgiving known? Moms and dads, are you making a joyful noise of thanksgiving to the Lord within your home? So much so that it resounds in the life of your children. Grandparents and seniors, are you losing focus of this call and beginning to wonder what your role is in life? Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. And this is immediately followed by another call to action. You'll see this theme within this song, these repeated calls to actions, these prompts. So verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord on the earth. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. And then within that same verse, another call to action, come into his presence with thanksgiving. So make, serve, come. These are the first three that we see. Right? So in order for praise to be meaningful, praise must be ordered. Because if we want to praise someone or something, we have to know what, what's the proper way I go about praising that person or that thing for what they've done. This is, of course, like the, our, our term of praise, right? But when we're talking about praising God, we have to know who He is, and we have to know how He has called us to praise His name. So in order for praise to be ordered, we must have express knowledge of where our praise is to be directed and how it's to be ordered. And the next prompt which we are given is to serve. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. But this isn't serve in the sense of an indentured servant who reluctantly fulfills the commands of a master. Right? No, no, no. Rather, this encapsulates the wholehearted devotion of worship. That's what this service is, is showing us. Not this obligatory fulfilling the commands because you have to. Rather, serve the Lord with gladness. Whether it be in service and obedience, service in pursuit of holiness, or service in worship. Our service is pleasing to the Lord and is thus required of us. So as we're called to make a joyful noise to the Lord, we are called to serve because our service is pleasing to the Lord in an act of worship. But we're not just told to serve the Lord, as I already said, in an obligatory sense, but specifically told to serve the Lord with gladness. This posture of glad servitude is then to usher us into the very presence of the Lord. So as we serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. So again, who is this psalm being directed toward? All the earth. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'll finish that point here just a little later. But this, so as we continue to see this posture of glad servitude is meant to usher us into the very presence of the Lord. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, gladly serve him and confidently come into his very presence. That in itself to a Jewish audience would be offensive and unthinkable. 
But this is what we are being commanded to do in this psalm. Theologian and pastor W.S. Plummer notes this in his commentary on the Psalms. Nothing is more offensive to God than that we bow the head like a bulrush and give way to sadness and gloom. He's from 1826, so that's why I use the word bulrush, right? That we bow the head like a bulrush, give way to sadness and gloom when we are called to joyful thanksgiving. This brings me to the second point on our outline this morning that we are compelled to live with exuberant gladness. This is a difficult one. Why, why would that be difficult? Maybe you say to yourself this morning, although I said it half-heartedly, just kind of jokingly, some of us are looking toward a Thursday filled with tension and strife. Maybe you say to yourself this morning, well, pastor, I don't, I don't want to be thankful, nor do I want to give thanks. I just don't feel like it. I have no thanks to give. It's been a hard year. Maybe you've experienced loss, grief. Maybe you're going through family strife, marital strife, economic woes. There's no shortage of burdens that could cause us to not feel glad. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, I'm old, I've seen friends and loved ones go. Each Thanksgiving, there's less people around me that I I used to know. My joints hurt when the weather changes. Nothing looks the same anymore. So you say to yourself, what have I to be thankful for? That's why this, this is a hard one. Because these are hard and real and raw feelings. But the Psalms are filled with cries from these very places and these very feelings. Acknowledgements of hurt and pain and brokenness caused by our sin and caused by living in a sinful, fallen world. But the psalmist always lifts our head in worship and thanksgiving from the depths of the pit. So... Maybe you're looking at a thankless thanksgiving and you hear a psalm like this and you say, that's not for me. I hear you, pastor. I hear you, the the universal praise of all the earth for God's goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel like it. And if that's you or someone you know, I want to point us first to see that this is a command. So it's not optional, right? It's Come into his presence with seeing, serve the Lord with gladness. So how do we do that from a place where we are feeling like we're staring at a thankless thanksgiving? I want to encourage you, turn to Lamentations, turn to the right, to Lamentations chapter 3. Keep your finger there in Psalm 100, we're coming right back to it. But Lamentations chapter 3. Now you're like, oh great. Talking about being thankless, being without cheer and and gladness. And so he turns to lamentations. (laughs) But I think you'll see why. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. So maybe you'll notice the, the subheading for this chapter. 
I don't know what it is in your Bibles, but mine is great is your faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain and a man about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Verse 41, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. You have wrapped yourself with anger, pursued us, killing without pity. So you're like, okay, I'm still not getting it, pastor. You're like, this is not sounding very joyful and thankful, right? But what I want us to see, especially, especially there in verses 37 and 38, is the sovereignty of God in all things. And so there's no grounds for man's complaint. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? And it is not from the mouth, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? What I want us to see is that our hurts, our sorrows, and our laments are not meant to subdue our praise and thankfulness to the Lord. But rather, they are an intentional part of God's plan to increase our thankfulness and praise. They are the very waves that bring us back to the rock of Christ. To be glad in the Lord is not a fake smile while crying at what is going on around you. It's not just putting on a brave face through a painful, awkward Thanksgiving meal. It's to see God's work and rest in God's control of all things and acknowledge Lord, you are good, even when I can't see it. And then to respond by pleading that the Lord would turn your heart to see his goodness in all things. Where else do we see this? Psalm 44. Turn there. So you can just go back to the left. Psalm 44. Verse 23. This itself is a psalm of pleading. Like I said, the psalmist sympathizes with those of you who maybe feel like you have no thanks to give or no gladness from which to serve. But he says this, verse 23, Psalm 44. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust and our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. So to what does the psalmist cling in the midst of a plea for God's help? The knowledge that God's love is steadfast. That it does not fade, it does not wither. How about this, Psalm 46? It should be right there, maybe you just have to turn a page. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help 
in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, so though literally all the earth be destroyed and melting down around us, verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 10, in the midst, as he continues, says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Thanksgiving is not natural to the flesh. It's not natural in a world that is broken by sin and corrupted. It's counterintuitive. Thanksgiving requires us to humbly acknowledge our need for provision outside of ourselves. But Christian thanksgiving requires us to push past our present sorrow, to push past our sinful hesitation in praise of the one who is working all things together for our good and his glory. There will be times when we have to plead with the Lord to show me, show me, Lord, turn my heart, help me to be thankful in you. So if you're not thankful, if you're not living a life of praise, you're not alone. But that is precisely why we must plead with God to turn our hearts in thankfulness to him. Lord, please make me thankful. Please make me praise you. Be still, my soul. So we've got three commands here so far. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. We're keeping that in our mind. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So this verse is at the very heart of the passage for good reason. Of the five commands given in this psalm, we've seen three, this is the fourth. This is the one which does not require physical action. Rather, we got make, serve, come. These are all things that I move, do, right? But this one is know. Know that the Lord, He is God. This one doesn't require physical action, but it's requires us rather to simply rest in the knowledge of God's reign. It is, not, it is only through knowledge of God that we can give him the proper praise due his name. Without God's revelation of himself, our praise is ineffectual and without focus. We're just shouting into the ether. Proper knowledge of God is to be the very foundation of our praise. That's why good, sound theology is so important. Take note of the titles, though. 
here that we have for God. Especially when you read your Bible, at all times when you read your Bible. Take note of the titles used for God. I've noted this before, but I want to continue to remind, reminding us of this. If you see Lord in all capitals, that's used as the covenant name. That's God's name. It's not just his title as God, it's his name. Lord, Yahweh. So the psalmist wants clear communication here as to who all of this praise is being lifted to. Because start in verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all caps, Yahweh. Serve the Lord, Yahweh, with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, Yahweh, he is God. So, it's not to the nameless gods of the peoples that we lift our praise. It's not to the God of self. It's not to a God that we can create. Rather, this praise is due to Yahweh. Know this. Yahweh is God. He is the one who created us, and we belong to Him alone. He created us. We didn't create Him. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, at first, you might glance at that last part. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Like, oh, that's sweet. You know, a nice green meadow and sheep and a little shepherd with a crook and just kind of cliche little scene, right? And you think it's so pretty and nice and neat. And I want to I read you this quote. Martin, Lu- Martin Luther, and this is why I've been noting, keep in mind this, this call to all the earth, right? So Martin Luther called this psalm a prophecy concerning Christ. So Luther noted, it calls upon all to rejoice, to triumph, and to give thanks, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts and sanctuary with praise. Because by the gospel and the preaching of the remission of sins, that kingdom of Christ is established and strengthened, which shall remain and stand forever. What is the only way that all the earth, not just the covenant people of God, can make a joyful noise? What is the only way that all the earth, not just the covenant people of God, can serve the Lord with gladness? Not just, and by covenant people, I mean Israel, right? So what is the way that all peoples can come to know God, not just Israel? What is the way that all peoples can come to know God and not, and not just Israel make a joyful noise? What is the way that all peoples can come into his presence and not just Israel? Christ. Pastor John Piper points out that it is only on this side of the cross that we realize just how sweet and good it is to be a sheep of his pasture. Because in his pasture, we aren't just being fattened for slaughter or sold as commodities or prepared to go to market. As sheep of his pasture, the sheep find rest and peace because the shepherd has laid down his life. He has become the sacrifice. We see this 
in John 10. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my own, and my own know me, Jesus says. This is the very purpose for which he has created us, redeemed us, and sustains us in the grace-filled peace of his pasture, to know God and respond accordingly. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The only way to be a sheep of his pasture is through Christ. To know God and respond accordingly. It brings us to The next point on your outline, which is to know God, is to praise Him for eternity. Because there is an eternal nature to this psalm. So the chief end of man is to praise God and be delighted in Him. To be the sheep of His pasture is not a passive position. And it's not to say that it's to be the sheep of His pasture means that we get to sit and relax and just enjoy the green grass. To be his sheep is to live eternally thankful for the unmerited favor of his grace-filled pasture. Thus, our praise of thanksgiving will ring out for eternity. This is not just meant to be a seasonal or temporary feeling, but an eternal state of being as those who are his, as those who are in his pasture. We see this, we continue reading verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. This is the goal, that we can enter his gates. So here we see explicitly that thanksgiving and praise are parallel to one another. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with Praise. They're right there with one another, hand in hand. They are expressions of one another. To give thanks is to praise. To praise is to give thanks. This is all in the context of worship. And so we see there, enter his gates and his courts. This is indicating the temple worship practices. And now there is no one set of people that get to do these things, but now everyone is being told Come, enter his gates and his courts. This is indicating the temple worship practice, as I said. So in other words, come in, come in and give thanks. Come in and praise. Bless his name. This is our chief goal in life, that we might not only bless him with our mouth, but with our actions and our life as well why you see the next point on your outline, that the life of the believer is one of overflowing thanksgiving. That our thanksgiving is just constant, consistent, always flowing over. To be in Christ is to be in a state of overflowing thanks offered up to the only one who deserves it. Know that the Lord, He is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. You know him 
by name. You know him personally. So give praise to him. As we enter a special holiday for giving thanks, are you sharply focused on giving thanks to the Lord for his creating you, revealing himself and saving you? Is this you right now? Entering his gates with thanksgiving, his course of praise, giving thanks to him, blessing his name. Is this the posture that you find yourself in? Is this the intentional posture with which you seek to live your life? Is this what you look at when you look at just this last week? As we enter a special time for giving thanks, are you sharply focused on giving thanks to the Lord? Or are you simply prepared to give the humdrum answers of I'm thankful for family or food or life or whatever. As those brought from death to life in Christ, we have no option but to give thanks. And we can't help but give thanks. So what is the foundation for all this thanksgiving and praise? What is the basis? Knowledge of God, yes, we established that. But what have we come to know about him? Verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. For, that first word right there, that word tells us that whatever comes next qualifies everything that has been said before it. Last week, we saw another short, single word in which the entire of the idea of the sentence hinged. Long ago, at many times, in many ways. But now, he has spoken to us through his son. So last week it was but, this week it's for. For. Because. This is why we enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is why we are to be making a joyful noise. This is why we are to be serving him with gladness and coming into his presence. This is why we know that the Lord, he is God. For the Lord is good. So the next point, final point on your outline. As God is eternally constant, so must our worship be. Even the most constant and consistent among us eventually falters or fails. But with God, that is not so. God's nature is eternally so. So this is our foundation for worship. The Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations and never stops Generation after generation after generation, the Lord is good and faithful and loving. This is our foundation for worship, that we have come to know the Lord as he has revealed himself. We have come to know that his goodness is eternally constant. We have come to know from firsthand experience that his love steadfastly endures forever. It endures our sinful rebellion and our, sin, our selfish attempts at our own sovereignty. It endures our thanklessness. It endures our praiselessness. 
We have come to know that his faithfulness does not expire and his covenant is true from generation to generation. So let us be thankful. Let us boldly and confidently come before the throne of grace, not by the blood of goats or bulls. Only the priests could enter the courts. Only the priests could make a joyful noise. Only they could come into his presence. Only they could enter the gates and his courts with praise. But now by the blood of Christ, we who have come to know that the Lord, he is God, we are commanded, make a joyful noise all the earth. Let us do so with exuberant gladness, giving praise to the only name who deserves it. Give thanks to the Lord, church, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. God, we love you. We have come to know every bit of this, that you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. Your faithfulness to all generations. Bind that to us. Let us never forget it. And may that inspire and be the foundation, may that be that for statement for our entire lives. May that be the purpose with which we are constantly overflowing with thanksgiving. And when we don't feel like giving thanks, when we feel like we have no thanks to give and we cannot serve with gladness, Lord, use those times of desperation and lament and pain and trouble and turmoil to bring us back to yourself so that we may make a joyful noise to you, the only one who deserves it. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.